Hi, my name is Twyla, and I want to welcome you to Lifeline Community Church's Sermon Podcast. We're a church committed to inspiring people to follow Jesus further. We believe that everything in Scripture points towards Jesus, and no matter where you are in life, we believe everyone can find Him. When we do find Him, He leads us to a life that thrives. I hope you enjoy this week's sermon. Take care. I'll be reading from Luke 2. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Merry Christmas. There we go, yeah. Um, before I kind of speak to that story, it feels like uh, some premaritals needed for you and Alex, Deb, where y'all at? <laughs> Alex, I was just like, oh man, I love those people. They make me laugh so hard. Um, but you think about that story. Uh, that's a pretty controversial story. Let's just kind of say what we just heard. A king that would rule the world is born in a dusty, forgotten place of the Middle East. And kings, magi, people that have high position, come to a place to give gifts to announce his kingship. That is a very controversial thing. Not only that, he's called the Messiah, the one that's going to save everyone and everything. That's a pretty controversial thing. And the thing about Christmas, it's not a void of controversy. Um, if you've been around any type of Christmas, there's a couple of controversial things, and I wanted to quickly divide the room because, you know, Merry Christmas, uh, on some controversial things. So here's a few controversial things. Here's the first question for us. Elf on the shelf. Creepy or cute? Raise your hand if you're creepy camp. You are Christians. Y'all are real believers. 
But, you know, I, I, chance, okay, for those that are in the cute, fun kind of category, this is a cute thing. Yeah, I hear you. Okay, well, loud and proud. That's great, great. All right, let's, you know, kind of warming up. I like that. How about this one? This was my favorite one. Die Hard. Christmas movie or not? Every Christmas, baby. Every Christmas. It ain't Christmas until you see that guy fall off the skyscraper. Okay, how about this one? Um, here's the next one. Uh, in recent years, this has kind of changed a little bit with the movies that have come out with this. Because when the first movie came out, this was, a, this was clear. And then the next one came out with Jim Carrey, and then it was not so clear. And then the most recent one is just like, well, maybe he's a good guy. So, The Grinch, victim or villain? Raise your hand if you're in victim camp. He's just got, he's got a bad hand. Okay, how about this? Villain, you know, the teeth problems that I hear in that song all the time. Okay, okay, so that one. Um, here, here's the one, here's the one. This is a divided families for years. This has been pain in your families, and y'all have argued about this this year. Christmas trees, real or fake? Fake. fake. Who's in the fake camp? Let's, you know, we don't want needles on our floor. Yeah, I'm with you, I'm with you. How about the ones that's like, I love watering things 10 times a day. Yeah, real Christmas trees, real Christmas trees. Um, speaking of real versus fake, just a thought for those that are all about the real trees. Um, I read an article last year, and I've been saving it for this year because it was so terrifying. And a lady in Australia cut her tree down, brought it into her house, set it up, somehow decorated it, and then as she was sitting in her chair, like four or five hours later, noticed this bad boy up there. All I got to say is Merry Christmas. I guarantee you she was looking for the Lord in that moment, I'm sure. So here's the thing. Christmas. Controversy has surrounded it ever since the moment it happened. Controversy. And if you look at Jesus' Ancestry.com, you will begin to realize how controversial it was with what he had. So you look at his family tree. And the reason that a family tree is a big deal is because we don't really have this, though I'm going to point to a couple things we can compare to, that in his family tree, it was you, like you would always highlight the best parts. Like this is that person, here's that person. But if you start running down the list of Jesus' family tree, you begin to realize that there are some people in there because here's the thing. When it comes to your family tree and it comes to my family tree, what we tend to do is we highlight all the winners, and we try to make sure those losers are pushed to the background. That's what we do. And what I mean by that is we don't talk about that uncle that robbed Arby's and is now in prison. We don't talk about that stuff. But when it comes to people that we want people to know we're related to, we bring that to the forefront. And the reason this is a big deal is because when Jesus stepped onto the scene as a baby, they would use that family tree to say, this is your resume on why you should be king. Look at all these people. Look at all these people that are part of his family. When I lived in uh, Williamston, South Carolina, uh, I had a neighbor, and uh, I will never forget this conversation because it was so odd because it's like, I just met you. Why are you telling me all this stuff? Like, I just wanted to say, hey, can you, hey, you know, and let, kind of let it go. Well, this neighbor, you know, we got talking, um, and uh, within like the first five to 10 minutes. She's like, yeah, we live right here. By the way, we're related to this guy named Oscar Isaac. And I was like, I don't know who that is. And it's like, oh, it's that Star Wars guy. He's been in a bunch of movies, all that type of stuff. I'm like, okay, cool. I mean, 
Like, how related are we talking here? Like, you know, is this like your brother or is this like your second cousin or what's going on there? No, 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 it's like my fifth cousin. <laughs> That's far away. And I have learned a lot about this since being at this church. Fifth cousin's way over there. And I remember sitting there thinking, I was like, why would you highlight someone that you've seen maybe once in your life, but their family? And that's the thing, isn't it? You know, uncles that have gone to prison for robbing Arby's, we don't really want to talk about them. But the Oscar Isaacs in our life that we might have seen, somehow we're connected to, talk about that family. And if you've ever read all the Christmas stories, you begin to realize that Luke tells the Christmas story, which is what we just heard. But Matthew tells the controversy. He tells how nasty this situation was, and he points out a few things. How about this one? Let's start here. Salmon, which is a great cat name, was the father of Boaz. And Matthew inserts this little idea and says, whose mother was Rahab. Now, keep in mind, when that was written down, everybody in the room would have gone, Rahab? Wait, wait, wait. You mean the, the prostitute? That one? And it doesn't stop there. You'd think one would be a big deal enough. And then it keeps on going. It says, Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. <gasps> Tamar? That, I mean, I'm not, I can't even tell the whole story because of how like, bad it is on, in church. Short end of this is she was about to be left high and dry and ended up uh, doing things with her dad to have children. You mean that Tamar, that's in this guy's Jesus family line. Gets even worse. You think that after two. How about this one? Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, who's, by the way, was mother Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. The same Uriah that was murdered? Lots of controversy can't even, doesn't even get into the fact that the Canaanites and the Moabites and all these people that are not Jewish are involved in this family tree. So in Jesus' resume, prostitution, scandal, murder, idolatry, Matthew goes out of his way to highlight these people in Jesus' family tree. Why is that such a big deal? Because who Jesus came from tells us who he came for. Which is really good news if you're sitting here, which is all of us. I heard a story recently about an 18th century disease that was oftentimes referred to the black death of childbed. Um, What was going on is women were giving birth, and within some 48 hours of giving birth, they would pass. I mean, it was a very big thing. Like, it actually went throughout all of Europe, and countless upon countless people passed because of this, and it just got worse and worse and worse over a century. At some point, some mortality rate inside of hospitals was somewhere around like 70%. And the thing about this time was it was the Renaissance. This was a time of like empirical data and they had a a mind of science. And so it was this thought that we've left things behind like mysticism or superstition because we got science. That was some of the thoughts that they put forward. And so these guys, these doctors, what they did is they went to work doing what they knew that they should do. And so they began studying all these women that had died. In the morning, they would conduct autopsies. And then in the afternoon, they would go and deliver babies as they finished the rounds. 
And it wasn't until this guy named Dr. Oliver Wendell Holmes pointed out one day that all these doctors were performing these autopsies in the morning and then weren't washing their hands when they went to go deliver babies. He eventually pointed this out and he looked at them multiple times and he said, hey, just to make this known, y'all are the problem. You're the one causing all of this death. You're the it. You're the problem. And it's interesting because he was largely ignored for about 30 years. 30 years. Until finally someone realized that they washed their hands, it would all go away. They started sterilizing their instruments and washing their hands, and guess what? The black death of childbed literally disappeared. Can I tell you something today? Jesus is the great physician. And he has come to tell you what is slowly killing you and those around you, and God calls that sin. Many of us are walking in with a lot of pain, and we have no hope to change it. And Jesus gave hope that not only things could be made right, but you can be healed from this thing that's slowly killing everyone around you. And Jesus can make right and clean what you need to be made right and clean. So, here's what I want you to do. Why don't you look around real quick? Look at this room. Isn't it a bunch of beautiful people? All the boys are like, I know who I'm looking at. <laughs> beautiful people in here. You know, Christmas services, you know, throughout the month of December are very interesting to me because uh, there's a, I can spot a certain type of person. Um, mainly because I remember being this type of person. Throughout the whole month of December, we have services. We celebrate the coming of Christ. We're creating an anticipation in our soul for one day this will all look different and everything will change. But there's this certain person that I can just see from a mile away because I know this person, because I remember being this person. And it's this person that walks in thinking this, looks around a room like this. I can never fit in here. You have that moment where you look around, you look at these families, and they look perfect. They all got matching clothes on. Families look like they actually like each other type stuff. And all you think in the back of your mind is, I have done things that these people have never done. And I can never be accepted. And I've been there. And I guess this is a pastoral moment I want to speak to. If that's you, as your pastor, I want to tell you something. I know some things about these people. And if you knew the things that I knew, you wouldn't be sitting as close to some of these people. (laughs) Why, Why do I say this? Here's what I know about the people you're sitting next to. They've lived lives that have gotten them kicked out of schools. They got foul mouths. They've had affairs and more divorces than you can count on one hand. They've partied in ways that they couldn't remember where they were the next morning. They've been addicted, dependent on substances and bad relationships, and you are sitting next to parenting failures, people that have spent time in prison. But here's the one thing they all got in common, is they allowed God to change them. You're sitting next to redeemed lives that aren't what they once were and are becoming what they will be. And it's not because they were good people that God rewarded. It was because they realized one crucial detail. They were sinners. And they needed to be saved. 
they realized they were killing themselves and everyone around them, and they listened to what Jesus had to say about sin. And here's the thing. Christmas reminds us in subtle ways of this reality. We can't save ourselves. Here's how this plays out. Broken marriages, you realize you can't fix it. That kid that's just gone astray, you realize you can't fix it. Those bad decisions that have gotten you where you are today, the self-destruction, the self-hate, whatever you want to fill in there, we realize we can't actually change it because we can't heal ourselves from sin. This is why you need a Savior, which is why we're here, right? We gather not for us, not for cute stories and all this mess and all that stuff, though it's a lot of fun. And I think Christ wants us to celebrate and have fun. But we gather here because we realize there's a need that I can't fix. And Jesus stepped down from heaven as a bloody baby to be bloodied again on a cross for you and I so that our lives could change and look different from starting points of here and into heaven. So the most important question I could ask you today is this one. Have you had a personal Christmas? Have you had a personal Christmas? And here's the opportunity. I know families walk in this time of year. Uh, At the end of the service, you're going to get one of these bracelets. And it just simply says, God is with me. It's an opportunity for you to walk into the new year trusting the reality that God did the most controversial thing, which he stepped down from heaven and stepped to you and I. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. One of my favorite times of the year is this service. Because it's this moment, the best way I can describe it is, no matter our background, no matter our life, we get to celebrate through a symbol what Christ has done in us. And as the band comes up here, I'm going to explain what's happening here the next moment. Churches, for the next 24 hours, are doing this thing called a candlelight service. And what it means is simply this. You were once in darkness. And my prayer is that you would realize how dark your life is more and more because that means you're leaning into how bright Christ is. And to symbolize this, we start with one candle. And it's to point this out. There was one light that stepped into the world in complete darkness, knowing you, knowing what was coming for him. For 30 years, he sat quiet until that moment where everything changed and he leaned in in a way and his passion for you and I began to come to life. And for the next three years, he announced who he was and there was a light in the world that had not been lit until Adam and Eve. And everything changed. And I can point to this, and I don't have time, but literally because of this moment, history's changed. We can't imagine a life without liberty, but Christ brought liberty. All people, inherent value. Before that moment, 
There are people that are less than. Cannot point to that enough. And then in the most astounding piece, it wasn't just delight to light up anything. He actually invited us to have his spirit dwell inside us and become that light. So it almost gets intermingled to where now you're a part of the redemptive story in such a way that your light fills up this room and darkness flees. So we're gonna sing this song, Silent Night. And as we worship, there's a point, the last verse, I want you to raise it high, why? Because Christ raised himself high for you. Hung himself on the cross so that you would no longer be void of God, but you would be near him. Would you sing this with me?